listening to it one day because there's nothing else in the car. They were doing a story about testosterone, like people that had much of it or too little of it, people that had like transitioned their gender or whatever and what that was like. And um, they were going down a list of like, uh, of, like fact uh, attributes of people that had like a lot of testosterone in their body. And I was hearing it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe identify with some of that. It was stuff like square palms and like a deep voice. And a, one of them literally, this is literally one of them, a wolfish grin. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, another one of them was if you were in high school, voted most likely to Sarah Connor. Which I was. <laughs> no, that wasn't really one. That wasn't really one. Uh, but the last one uh, they told you about, which is completely real, was that levels of testosterone rise when you are uh, both working out, like in the middle of a really hard workout, or watching violence, even recorded violence, like people fighting. And when I heard that, I knew it was time to take my workouts to the next level by watching <laughs> videos of people beating the shit out of each other first. And you guys, it is it works so well. Oh my god, I would you go to, go to any kind of fight porn site. It, you know, when you're like watching a video of a fight at two a.m. and you get embarrassingly hype about it, like you're like UFC. Yeah, sure that too. But I mean, no, I want them to like mean it. I want someone to have snatched somebody's something and then now like an unholy fury is coming down. I watched them all, high school fight videos. Like, I didn't get into the Appalachian preschool MMA backyard scene, but that exists. That exists and it's out there. And uh, I'm so grateful. But then it got me in trouble because uh, back when I was living in my car, I would work out sometimes by sneaking into the fitness room of like a Ramada Inn or something. Uh, you would just like fish a Starbucks cup out of the garbage, have sweatpants on and a messy bun. And then now, you know, bust out a workout real quick before I go fly a sign. And I'm in, I'm in the Ramada one time waiting for somebody with a card to come wipe it through so he can get into the little tiny room with the foggy mirrors and the, like, one Nordic track. And I'm listening to, I'm, I'm watching the fights on my cell phone with headphones. And then eventually this, like, elderly dude in basketball shorts uh, comes to the gym. It's great for me. He stands up. He swipes the card. And goes in I duck in behind him really quick and as I do the door slams shut and catches my headphones and pulls them out of the phone and then now all of a sudden we're like in this tiny room together and there's just the sounds of like get him Jeremy get him Jeremy fuck him up fuck him up and he was like looking at me kind of confused I was just like this is what music sounds like now this is what the kids listen to um, okay. I don't want to talk about the Myers-Briggs personality index. I don't want to talk about pedophiles. Um, I invented some new dog breeds, I guess. You know, like, I mean, it just sucks that we have all these dogs that, that are trained to do hyper-specialized tasks, and we took all their dogs away. I mean, we took all their uh, jobs away. In the span of like 50 years. I just don't think it's fair. They're like quivering with excitement to do the thing they were trained to do. And we don't want them to do it. We got to start over. We got to start from scratch. Dogs for modern people solve modern problems. You know, like a, a dog, like a retriever. But they only retrieve cash and jewels. And also they can break into people's houses. That's a dog that I could use. Um, 
you know, dogs that are good for selfies, really glossy, stand in front of you, reflect the light. Um, dogs that, like, secrete antibiotics from their eyes, but every day they change a little bit to keep up with today's fast-paced MRSA outbreaks. You know, like a, mid, a dog that, if people call themselves their dog's mom, maybe you hit 40 and the dog's face will change to look like your face. So then you don't feel so bad about not completing the biological imperative. I don't know. Sometimes when I'm in public with my dog, she'll be asleep and she'll be twitching like dogs do when they dream and, you know, making little noises and shit. People are always like, oh, she must be rabbits. Or, you know, stuff that dogs do during the day. But sometimes the dog tries to hump me, so it's like, you gotta figure some of those dreams. <laughs> some of those dreams, you're not stopping them. Like, you're into it. <laughs> of all the things that COVID took away from us, Burlington, Vermont, near where I live, the one thing I can't believe it didn't take away was the axe-throwing bar. <laughs> Somehow, there's still a bar. It survived the pandemic where you can go throw axes at the wall, and it makes me so goddamn mad. Oh, man. I know I shouldn't get that worked up over it. It's just, oh. <clears throat> because they're not chopping wood in there. It's not surrounded by, like, you're supposed to chop, like, you know, 10,000 cords of wood first. They're, they're trafficking in working-class signifiers. I don't love that. Plus the fact that you just know that if it came down to the cut, they're not, it, they're not even helping people do it. They're not even going to be able to do it. Like, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere chopping wood for the apocalypse. They're in there twirling them around like majorettes. And if, in fact, the apocalypse did happen and there was, like, you know, a horde of people from Brooklyn cresting the hill coming to take over my house in Vermont and you needed somebody, you needed one of these Burlingtonians to sink the tip of that axe into the forehead of one of these fucks, they're, they're going to be like, oh, it's not a regulation axe. It needs to be tuned. Uh, so I guess I might as well... I'll I'll do the the hooker story last because I got to get back to those stupid kids. They'll probably need me. But go uh, <clears throat> out there. So uh, before, uh, yeah, before this life, I used to have like a whole a whole different one where I had like long hair and uh, long nails and high heels and. Oh, for the purposes of this story, I guess it is important, not just a, a brag, to say, like, I used to be super hot. Before I lost, like, most of my teeth, which causes your face to sink in, yeah, I was I was pretty attractive. Like, people used to say Angelina Jolie, but that's not true. That's That was way too hot. But absolutely Jessica Alba hot. That's an objective fact. I was absolutely as hot as, like, Jessica Alba. So, anyway, um, I... Also, I'm tired of standing up now. So... I had parlayed this into, like, a fairly... I went from Craigslist hooker to, like, tech bro hooker, which was, you know, fairly a fairly lucrative enterprise. And, um... Huh? Like, uh, you know, like a... I, uh, I would say mostly tech bros is, is who I was working for. And so for the setting of this story is... I was in the car with one of these dudes one day, and he was going off about my mom's declawed cat. I mean, you know, like, I've been seeing the dude a little bit, and he just hated that my mom's cat uh, had been declawed. I don't, I don't, 
I know we're not supposed to like it. I don't have that much of a problem with it. I mean, it was still could climb trees. The cat seemed happy enough. Otherwise, it was going to go to an animal shelter in Memphis, Tennessee, which would have been death. So it's like declawing or death, whichever one you think is better. But he was he was all up in arms about it. He's like, oh, man, don't you know it's just like cutting your knuckle off, your, your finger off at the first knuckle. That's, that's their fingers in there. And I was like, well, honestly, I think cats would be able to make that decision. I think if you offered a cat free room, board, medical care, and food for the rest of their natural life, they'd probably lose the first voluntarily i know i would if somebody was offering me <coughs> free room you know food medical care for the rest of my life you can have the first one you know little bone pieces and he said you want to put your money where your mouth is and i said what and he said that there was places on the internet not the world wide web but the internet where he could put an ad like that and maybe somebody would take me up on it and uh you know decide to provide those things know safely uh in a medical setting cutting the tips of my finger off and i didn't have to think long about it before i said yes because come on <laughs> the first knuckles in your finger what the fuck you can still dial a phone pull a grenade masturbate vulcan salute what else is there those four things come on you're good it's good that's all you need to do and so he put the ad on the internet and uh surprisingly quickly it got answered if you had to guess a part of the world from which someone who would take me up on that offer would originate, what do you think? New Jersey. Uh, uh, China. No, not nobody there Someone could afford it. Sound... <laughs> what you would now call the UAE? They're definitely they definitely grow some weird ones. United Arab Emirates. Yeah, in that in that part of the world. Um. Did they wander knuckles? Yeah, they actually wanted a whole lifestyle thing. Like that was get, that was getting worked out. You know, am I going to like live at the house? Do I wear a collar? It was finally decided it was going to be just like you know, I had my own oh, separate oh, you domicile. To call you like a cat. Yeah, no, that yeah, that's. that's... Yeah, I don't think all cats. <laughs> that's not apparently a lot of people don't. I mean, my mom did. I don't judge other people. Uh, can you? It's a conversation too. It's a con right because I'm sitting down. Fuck. Ha ha. That's why they make them stand up. Now I get it. Or else you're just talking. Or you're just talking. Oh. Gosh. Tradition. Tradition. Don't fuck with it. Well, United Arab Emirates have a lot of money, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, some free stuff going on. But luckily, before before that uh, happened, uh, some other shit went down, and uh, I basically ended up hitting the road because I was being, you know, pretty heavily surveilled by these dudes. But it was kind of a shame because I had already practiced, you know, doing a bunch of stuff that was going to be needed in my new cat lifestyle, like jumping up on the mantle and knocking a bunch of shit off. <laughs> Shitting in a box of sand, much to the of other people at the playground. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna sit down now. Rainbow's return to Strawberry Lake for 50th anniversary unlikely from the Grand Gazette, March 27th, 2022 by Marissa Lorenz. On March 3rd, a post made to a number of Grant County Facebook groups announced warned about 20,000 plus coming to a forest near you. Rumor has it it's happening in Grand Lake. 
The post was referencing the 2022 Rainbow Family Gathering, the 50th anniversary of an annual event first held at Strawberry Lake near Granby. For those who are unfamiliar with the Rainbow Family of Living Light, it grew out of various cultural and youth movements of the late 1960s and early 70s. Their annual world gatherings have become month-long events that center around a prayer and meditation circle for world peace, usually held on July 4th. Some have described the group as the largest non-organization of non-members in the world with no leaders and no organization. Others commonly refer to them as dirty hippies. And while Rainbow-created websites maintain that it is long-standing Rainbow Family consensus that nobody has ever or ever will represent the Rainbow Family, they often talk about such things as communal peace, love, and harmony on and with the planet Earth. That 1972 gathering was the Rainbow's first intentional large group gathering, drawing an estimated 20,000 to Grant County. A New York Times article from the period says that they came to meditate in the forest to chant prayers together, talk over things, and play flutes and guitars and drums under the spruce and aspen trees. It also details how local government opposed the event. Then-Governor John Love swore to prevent the gathering. The state closed roads to the campground. It tried to ban food from the area. But eventually, it was the young people who decided the issue. By hiking through the forest to get to the location, after being stuck in the town of Granby, many without accommodation, for seven days of standoff. The article goes on to say that concerns of health epidemics were unfounded, that waste was buried in military-style trenches, and that there was little evidence of drug use outside of an occasional marijuana cigarette. One-time journalist and owner-editor of the Middle Park Times, Ed Quillen, later wrote about being at that first event as a young reporter. Two years after that, I was editing the Kremlin newspaper in Grand County, and I heard the local side of the story, Quillen wrote. The Strawberry Lake crowd hadn't caused that much real trouble, but any substantial population spike in a remote and unpopulated zone, the county had only 5,000 people in those days, was burdensome and disruptive. But those contemporary accounts conflict with local memory as recalled today. That March 3rd post has garnered over 100 comments on one Facebook page, with most expressing negative attitudes toward the Rainbow Gathering and a hope it will not come back to the area. They pay for nothing and leave feces everywhere, states one Facebook commenter. For all the world peace and sacred healing they spew, it is wildly overshadowed by a lot of destructive and dangerous behavior, says another. And yet another local laments, We have laws in the county code because of this nightmare. It's why we can't live in a camper on our own property. Few voices speak in defense of the event, though two individuals claim to know that the gathering will not return to the Granby area. And a longtime Rainbow who calls himself Muddy George recently echoed that unlikelihood. By phone, George, a Colorado native and self-described protector of our national forest, recounts his first gathering, the second in Colorado, held in 1992 in Paonia. I was concerned. I went with the intention of participating, but I also wanted to make sure a large gathering would be safe and environmentally friendly to Colorado. George says he has attended most annual gatherings since, serving in various capacities, including as part of the Vision Council that makes consensus-based decisions about upcoming events. He confirms and stresses that no decisions have yet been made about the 2022 location other than that it will be in Colorado. George explains that scouting of potential sites takes place on a continual basis. We know that we're a large group, so areas that work for our needs, such as parking, water, camping, are generally areas that are already permitted, already have an impact use, and have historically been used by other large groups, such as large hunting camps or grazing or logging activities. 
Sites that are vulnerable or problematic don't meet our needs. Burn scars and rehabbing burn scars don't meet our needs, George assures. The strawberry site, being a sensitive area, would negate its consideration. And Muddy George understands well the community's concerns about fire. He lost his own home to a Colorado wildfire in 2002. Yet he continues to return to the gathering, seeing firsthand the work done being being done to mitigate not just fire, but violence, long-term environmental damage, and waste accumulation. As for Grand County safety officials, they are already in discussion about resource needs should the Rainbow Group decide to return to the area. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, says Grand County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin. While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined until after their spring council in June. We are engaged in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. And Regin Cloudman, Public Information Officer for the Arapaho National Forest, affirms that same message. We know the community is still recovering from the 2020 fires and the pandemic on top of that. Here, we have the advantage of knowing this event may occur, giving us time to prepare for it, and allowing us to plan for a significant number of additional resources to support safely and environmental efforts. More details of how a coordinated response to a planned Grand County Rainbow Family Gathering would work, and who would be involved in what capacities, is expected in the coming weeks. The U.S. Forest Service will be communicating that information as it is determined. Thousands from Rainbow Family Sect plan to descend on Colorado this summer, making law enforcement nervous, like the Burning Man Festival, but weirder, reports indicate, by Conrad Swanson from the Denver Post, March 31st, 2022. The 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family of Living Light's first gathering in Colorado comes this summer, and the group, a sect of hippies that say they stand for peace and love, appear likely to return to its roots. Sheriff's departments in Grand and Jackson counties, alongside U.S. Forest Service officials, confirmed that the Rainbow Family appears poised for a month-long gathering in Colorado this summer. Rainbow Families can bring thousands of people together for what Vice reported amounts to a weird version of Burning Man, mixing bikers, Jesus freaks, computer programmers, naked yogis, and gutter punks looking to escape the thralls of everyday life. In Colorado, past gatherings led to an uptick in trespassing and illegal camping charges after seven members told police that they took psychedelic drugs before climbing atop Boulder Public Library's roof, the Daily Camera reported. The group gathers each year for about a week, but this year, marking their 50th anniversary, they're expected to stick around for longer. Flyers posted around Jackson County said they'd gather from June 28th to July 28th, said Sheriff Jared Poley, likely near the Granby area. Precisely where they'll gather and how many people might come remains unclear, Poley said. It really concerns me that it's for a full month. There's not a real good way to prepare for it, Poley said. In the past, we've seen issues come out of it like thefts, vandalism, abandonment of trash, animals on Forest Service property. Forest Service spokesman, spokeswoman Reed Armstrong said the agency is aware of the possible gathering, but that, that it's neither permitted nor sanctioned. Groups larger than 75 people require a special use permit, and the Rainbow family has consistently refused to abide by those requirements, she said. 
We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado, Armstrong said. Serena Roxund, a district wildlife manager with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, said the state agency is also aware of the possible gathering, but without more details, can do little to prepare. The group tends to gather on federal lands, she says, so the state agency would likely have little involvement. While reports of Rainbow Family gatherings are often paired with drug use and sometimes sexual assault, Rolling Stone reported in 1993 they've also been described as a band of misfits taking solace within the larger group. For their 2019 gathering in New Mexico, Forest Service representatives noted that they're fairly cooperative with rules meant to protect water and culturally significant sites, the New Mexican reported. For that meeting, they brought propane tanks to abide by fire bans and promised to clean up whatever trash they left behind. Criminal charges can often stem from these meetings, but prosecutors have also dropped many of these charges. The Rainbow Family has no designated leadership and members and take pride in their holistic and communal system, online blogs and profiles show. The group's first meeting was in the Strawberry Lake area east of Granby in 1972. Rainbow Gathering could bring thousands to fragile Colorado backcountry sparking outrage by Spencer McKee, Denver Gazette, March 31st, 2022. In 2006, an estimated 15,000 members of the Rainbow Family Group, often described as hippies and as part of a non-organization, took over a large swath of land in Colorado's Route National Forest during an illegal gathering. The same group may be coming back to the Centennial State this summer. While the annual gatherings of the Rainbow Family of the Living Light are described by some as a celebration of nature and life, Others find issue with the massive crowds that the events bring to public land for extended periods of time. Not only can Rainbow Family gatherings cost the Forest Service hundreds of thousands of dollars each year, major concerns also exist regarding the environmental impact of long-term forest use by such a gr large group. In 2006, the National Forest Service had denied the group two permit applications for their Steamboat Springs area gathering, one permit that contained profanity and a second that was denied due to fire safety concerns. The group gathered anyway, citing that a permit requirement violated the constitutional freedom of assembly. In a matter of days, hundreds of violation notices had been issued by Forest Service officers for a range of offenses, including illegal occupancy and use of a national forest and drug-related offenses. This year, plans circulating the internet seem to point to Colorado as the destination for the annual summer gathering once again. Two different, presumably related Facebook groups reference Colorado. The first is 2022 Colorado 50th Annual Rainbow Gathering, a group with 1,700 members that has been used to promote events in other states in the past. The second is Rainbow Gathering Vision 2022 Colorado, which implies a destination of Table Mountain, Golden Area, or Strawberry Lake, Granby Area, where the, first where the first intentional group gathering took place in 1972. A plan to hold the festival in Colorado is also mentioned in a report from the Grand Gazette, with someone involved in the location selection process stating that the 2022 event will happen in Colorado, but that the exact spot is to be determined. He also notes that the Strawberry Lake site would be likely deemed too vulnerable by the group, possibly due to recent fire activity in the area. While members of the group believe their gathering is well-intentioned, rumors of the group's return to Colorado has drawn criticism online. On the popular forum-based 
website Reddit, members of a Denver-centric message board with 282,000 members have shown a strong negative reaction, also encouraging the public to contact officials at local National Forest Office about the supposed event. Outrage and concern focuses mostly on damage done to natural spaces by the event in the past, including the creation of informal trails, excessive human and animal waste left in centralized spots, and the stripping of tree branches for burning. Worry that the event could attract criminals has also been expressed. There are obvious environmental concerns that come with any long-term occupation of a space, especially by a large group. Generally, these events are billed as taking place through the first week of July, though many participants can get there early and stay for much longer, with some sources stating that the event can last an entire month. Last year, the Rainbow Gathering event took place in Carson National Forest, New Mexico, near Taos. An Associated Press report on the event noted that Forest Service officials have said that recent gatherings have had little impact on water, erosion, and other areas of concern. The Forest Service is preparing for thousands of people to come and camp en masse in one of Colorado's forests this summer. Online rumors are swirling that our state is the destination for the 50th Rainbow Family Gathering. The group describes themselves as a, a, a loose-knit organization that operates without leadership. Their events, earthy functions, draw in thousands of people. Facebook groups, presumably associated with the group, have hinted that Table Mountain in Golden or Strawberry Lake in Granby could be this year's destination. A group that large camped out in the forest for a long period of time obviously creates an added wildfire risk. The Forest Service said significant number of resources to reduce the impact on nearby towns as well as the public lands. Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Friday, April 1st. Today, the Rainbow Gathering is returning to Colorado after 16 years for its 50th anniversary. But it's a mystery of where this weeks-long confab will take place and when. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. The discovery of gold in the Colorado Territory in the 1850s launched a second gold rush that led to a stampede of people looking to find fame and fortune. Regionally mined ore was often called Pikes Peak Gold, and the dust and ore brought into town wasn't easily spent on its own. Groups like the Clark Gruber & Company opened up a private mint to turn that dust into coins that could be more easily traded for goods and services. On July 25, 1860, the group opened up shop in a two-story brick building on the corner of Market and 16th Streets in Denver, minting $10 gold pieces at the rate of 15 or 20 coins a minute. The coin featured Pikes Peak surrounded by a forest of timber. In three years of operation, they minted $594,305 worth of coins. They were so successful that the U.S. Treasury purchased the business in April 1863. This operation would eventually become the Denver Mint and is the single largest producer of coins in the world. Next, our feature story. The first time the Rainbow Gathering got together was in 1972, and that happened to be in Grand County. The last time they met in Colorado was in 2006, when 10,000 people camped out on public lands in Route National Forest. This unofficial organization has no official leaders nor an official website. But through word of modern mouth, like Reddit forums, this group of hippie campers appear to be headed to Colorado to celebrate their 50th anniversary this summer. 
There is cause for concern, though, about the impact of such a large group on federal lands. But as Jason Blevins reports, one upside so far is the Forest Service knows it's coming. Tamara Chung talks to Jason in today's podcast. Hi, Jason. How are you hey. today? Very well. How are you, Tamara? I'm good. Thanks for talking to us about the Rainbow Gathering. So this is new to me. I'm not from here, and I have no idea what this is. Can you tell our audience what what exactly is the Rainbow Gathering? Well, for 50 years, this group has been uh, holding sort of, they call it impromptu uh, gatherings on public land, Forest Service land usually, um, around the country, different states all over. And uh, they just kind of started to hint this week that they plan to come back to Colorado for their 50th anniversary the first ever rainbow gathering was uh on public land near granby in 1972. so 50 years so it sounds like they're going to be somewhere here in colorado but um who who are these people like you know i mean i have no idea i think your story mentions they're hippie campers but do you know who, who are they? What do they represent? Uh, they started in, I think, around Eugene, Medford, Oregon, and in the early 70s. And they, uh, you know, they're peace, harmony, love folks. Um, they have no structure. There is no leadership. There's no headquarters. There's no people in charge. Everybody that attends this event is um, treated as an equal, I guess. And they... Um, they just sort of come together and have, have this big sort of prayer circle-ish type event on July 4th. And that's sort of their trademark, uh, you know, pinnacle apex of the of their gathering. Sometimes folks are there for a month or longer. Um, the event technically lasts about a week. Um, not quite sure where they're going to end up in Colorado. Um, you know, this is since they have no formal structure. Um, it's all just kind of online chatter, you know, and there's some websites out there that say, you know, get ready for the 50th anniversary in Colorado. And people in Grand County and the Arapaho National Forest seem to think that they will be returning to the Arapaho um, uh, for their 50th sometime in July this year. Could be okay. as many as 30,000 people. They usually draw about 10 to 15,000 people for, for these events. So, so it's funny that you mentioned there's no official leaders, there's no official website, but it sounds like they get their message out to one another online. And there was even a forum on Reddit that they've closed outsiders. So it sounds like there's some maybe criticism here or so what's happening there. Well, yeah, we, we were kind of watching it yesterday when they kind of announced that it would be coming on. So we were on this subreddit and I guess the Reddit people don't much care for that. But it's, uh, they were, you know, chattering. And as you can imagine, there were more than a few commenters from Colorado who were, um, let's say, less than enthusiastic and unwelcoming <laughs> to uh, the idea of, you know, 10,000 people gathering in a national forest for a, a week-long party. So they, I, they shut that down today. You can't actually see what they're talking about in there. Um, so that's kind of... Uh, been a little shift but I, I think back in the day they used to have a phone number that you would call and they and then you know they would have sort of regional gatherings so it was word of mouth and it was probably mailings and signs up and you know 
hippie communes or who knew how they did it pre-internet but now you know just like any kind of online community they're pretty loosely based and there's no one really to uh to to organize you know this these events but what's interesting is the forest service actually has a national incident management team that follows this group around every year you know there's 40 something forest service law enforcement personnel who uh go to all these events, track them, attend each one, you know, write some tickets and kind of just loosely police, you know, they, they obviously can't write 10,000 tickets and they're obviously not going to arrest 10,000 people. So it makes it kind of a challenge on their front. And that, you know, that they, their, their point is that they should be able to have the right to assemble on public lands at any time. Uh, Forest Service obviously has rules about public gatherings and they want you to get a permit and, um, since there is no rainbow family boss, then there's nobody to actually sign for a permit or apply for a permit. So kind of an interesting dynamic in terms of this relationship. And it's largely antagonistic between the rainbow family and the forest service, obviously. Um, but there's, you know, they have as many as 500 people after each event that kind of stick around and fill in their, you know, pit toilet latrine sort of stuff and re plant grasses and do all this stuff. They have medical care. They have, uh, you know, different, a whole bunch of different camps divided across the, you know, as many, you know, 2,000, 3,000 acres of public land out in the middle of the forest. And as you can imagine, some concerns in Colorado are largely focused around wildfire. Um, you know, there's just a lot of valid concern over 20,000 plus people camping in the middle of the woods and what, how that might, I don't know, spark a wildfire so so it sounds like they clean up after themselves and they they may also be concerned with the environment as well um but the wildfire is an issue because that's something you know wildfires are obviously wildfires because they're kind of out of our control sure and i went to like you know the denver library and had them pull up some you know 1972 denver post articles rocky mountain news articles um and 1992 articles and I got a report from the Forest Service in 1992, and they're, you know, they, a lot of the response from Forest Service officials are, wow, this wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Um, you know, they, they did a decent job of cleaning up. You know, it's going to take up whatever, a season or two of growing in the in the meadows to kind of repair damaged grasses or, or things like that. But largely, it's they don't seem to have too much. Uh, you know, they don't seem to have as much of an impact as you would expect if 10,000 people just randomly gathered in the woods for a week-long party but they're gosh we've really changed a lot since 1972 1992 and even 2006 there's a lot more people in this state and there's a lot more concerns in these smaller rural communities over you know camping we're writing almost every week about new reservation systems and ways that local communities are cracking down on on you know sort of random camping and free-for-all camping around their towns out of a rational fear of wildfire and people not controlling their campfires and that causing you know some significant impacts to natural resources so we're in we're in a different time but then you know i guess you could say we've been in a different time forever (laughs) and no community has ever you know stood up and celebrated the arrival of the rainbow family it's not like they're courted and and you know people get excited when they come and move into the national forest, you know, on the edge of town, hardly, uh, hardly cause for celebration, but 
um, talk to folks in Grand County and Arapaho National Forest, and they're on alert and they're paying attention. Apparently, the rainbow folks send like a scouting party that'll come out and kind of identify a, a final area. Um, they like open meadows. They need a water source, so they find this you no know, spot, and then they, you know, that's where they're going to gather and. No one has really been able to stop them from gathering for 50 years. So it's pretty much once they decide where they're going to be, that's it all becomes about managing impacts and, and you know making sure that community resources, natural resources are somewhat protected. How soon do you think folks will know when this is happening and where it's going to be? Um, reading some of the earlier reports, like in... 92 and 2006, at the last time they were in Colorado, uh, officials seem to know as late as early June, so barely a month ahead of time. Um, you know, kind of the exact location is, has been noted. Um, it's interesting, I found some old documents from, from on a website that they have that uh, from a scouting report when they were trying to figure out where in Colorado they wanted to go and they ended up in Route County um, in 2006 uh, in the Route National Forest. Um, but they also looked at Grand County and the Arapaho and identified a number of spots. So there's some spots, you know, Ute Park and Buffalo Park out, out by uh, Kremling. And um, there's some different locations that they've identified in Grand County before. So I wouldn't be surprised if they picked those as spots mm -hmm. that they'd return this summer. So it sounds like it's it actually could be kind of fun to uh, take a week off and uh, go camping in the National <laughs> Grounds, but um, so can anyone join this rainbow family? Yeah, they're open all. It's all about peace, love, <laughs> harmony, respect for nature, that kind of stuff. Good old hippie mentality. Um, I don't know about a good time though. If I go camping, <laughs> I kind of don't want to be around ten thousand people. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, Jason, for looking into this. It's it's an interesting, strange story that has popped up this week. So. Guess we'll find out more once the event actually uh comes to be so yeah definitely stay tuned okay well thanks again jason and if you if listeners want to catch a story online it's good please go to coloradosun.com thanks finally here are a few stories that you should know about today Thirty thousand expected at rainbow gatherings 50th anniversary in colorado sparking wildfire concerns Arapaho National Forest and Grand County officials suspect the annual rainbow gathering of the tribes could draw tens of thousands to remote federal land, sparking concerns about wildfire and impacts. By Jason Blevins with the Colorado Sun, April 1, 2022. The rainbow gathering of the tribes plans to return to Colorado this summer to celebrate its 50th anniversary. The weeks-long confab that draws tens of thousands of hippie campers to public lands announced this week that the national gathering of possibly 30,000 would be returning to Colorado. The group's national bacchanal was last in Colorado in 2006 with about 10,000 people camping on Forest Service land in North Route County outside Steamboat Springs. Before that, there were 19,000 strong outside Paonia in 1992. The first national gathering was near Granby in 1972. The Rainbow Gathering has not yet said where in Colorado they plan to land for the late June, early July festival. 
But in fire-fearing mountain communities already cracking down on camping in crowds, opposition to the event is mounting with a focus on how tens of thousands of people camping together in the woods could spark a wildfire. This post on Reddit, Take Action Against the Rainbow Gathering, spurred 670-plus comments in less than 24 hours. You can guess the tone of those comments. There are no leaders of the Rainbow family. They don't have an HQ or even a formal website. No one to call and ask questions. Today's Rainbow is as loose as any other internet-connected community. They call themselves the largest non-organization of non-members in the world. And they closed their Reddit forum to outsiders on Thursday as hundreds of commenters piled on with less than enthusiastic responses to the 50th annual gathering in Colorado. Many of the group's websites crashed Thursday as news spread of the Colorado events. The loose structure makes it hard for federal land managers and local communities to address impacts and plan for the pending party of hippies. The Forest Service, citing online chatter and posts, suspects the group could be planning to gather in Grand County in June and July. The original 1972 gathering occurred up there, so I think there is some potential desire to come back to Grand County for their 50th, said Reed Armstrong with the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forests. Without a leadership structure, the Forest Service has not been able to enforce its rules requiring a permit for gatherings of more than 75 people on public land. The agency typically writes tickets for illegal camping during big rainbow rallies, but obviously rangers don't pen 10,000-plus citations at every gathering. The Rainbow Group has, since the 1970s, argued that it has a right to assemble on public lands. The National Forest has a national incident team that follows the Rainbow family's annual gatherings, which typically peak over the July 4th holiday. Last year's gathering was in the Carson National Forest near Taos, New Mexico. That team, mostly Forest Service law enforcement officers, works with local communities and local police. While the specific location won't be known until the Rainbow family sends a scouting party to find a spot that provides open spaces near a water supply, the Forest Service and Grand County law enforcement are aware of the possible gathering. We bring, historically, a lot of resources to help protect the local community and help reduce the impact on the community and natural resources, Armstrong said. In 2006, a scouting report from the Rainbow Gathering explored possibly returning to Grand County and identified a handful of possible locations on Forest Service land, including Church Park, Red Dirt Reservoir, and Buffalo Park. One upside for the Rainbow Gathering impact, the Forest Service knows it's coming, unlike major wildfires like Cameron Peak and East Troublesome, the two largest wildfires in Colorado history that raged through portions of the Arapaho National Forest in 2020. So we can plan for it and prepare for it, Armstrong said. The impacts, however, can be the same. Slightly different, but the extent of the natural resource impacts can be similar, which is why we bring in an incident management team. Two overdoses, three babies at 1992 gathering. The 2006 gathering in the Route National Forest's Big Red Park near Clark drew 10,000 to 15,000 campers. The Forest Service had 42 members of its National Incident Management Team watching the gathering and reported 218 citations in the weeks before the July 4th holiday peak. By the end of the event, that number would top 500. Forest Service officials told the Denver Post they spent about $800,000 managing the event. The 1992 Rainbow Gathering on the Gunnison National Forest near Overland Reservoir above Paonia drew about 19,000 campers. The National Forest, which compiled a comprehensive report following the event, knew the exact location in early June and began working with about 500 Rainbow Family members by the beginning of June. 
By July 1st, there were 4,000 cars parked in meadows around the reservoir. The 1992 gathering had medical facilities and 35 kitchens spread across about 2,500 acres for the gathering. Campers were dispersed into smaller camps aligned with different values. For example, there was a sister's camp, a fairy camp, a Krishna camp, and many camps for residents of specific areas. There's even an A camp for people who drink alcohol, which is discouraged by the Rainbow family. The report counted 310 traffic violations issued by the Forest Service, Delta County Sheriff's Office, and Colorado State Patrol. The report showed 43 arrests, mostly for traffic issues and drugs. Two people were found dead from a prescription drug overdose. The report showed three babies were born during the gathering. A combination of federal, state, and local agencies reported spending more than $573,000 to manage the event. The Forest Service reported about 500 members of the group remained after everyone left to fill in 200 trenches that had been used as toilets and to plant shrubs and grasses damaged during the gathering. The damage really is minimal, and our assessment is no long-term or irreparable damage was done. Forest Service spokesman Matt Glasgow told the Rocky Mountain News after the event. The New York Times wrote about the first gathering near Strawberry Lake above Granby in July 1972. The event, which was on both private and Forest Service land, was billed as a religious festival, and about 3,000 people walked more than seven miles up to the remote location. Colorado's Governor John Love promised to prevent the gathering, but the blockade collapsed as thousands of young people hiked across the mountains to get there, reads the article. Local lawmakers in Grand County hastily assembled rules around sanitation and large gatherings in hopes of blocking the event. A local judge ruled no more participants could climb to the remote parcel in late June, but was ignored. They'll have to carry us out, a determined young girl told a Denver Post reporter, and they won't have enough jails to put us all in. 2022 Rainbow Gathering Could Bring Destruction to Colorado's Forest by Kelsey Nistel, April 1st, 2022, K99. Colorado serves as the hub for many different unique festivals and gatherings, ranging in diversity from themes like multi-day music fests to renaissance fairs and even cannabis celebrations. While most of these large gatherings are good for Colorado's economy and tourism, one that's currently planned for this summer has residents feeling a very opposite way. The 2022 Rainbow Gathering is expected to take place in Colorado and is predicted to bring approximately 30,000 people to the Centennial State. The unorganized group gathering has been happening for 50 years and has occurred in Colorado before. Since it has taken place in Colorado previously, including in Route National Forest back in 2006, officials and law enforcement know what to expect, and it's not good. Participants set up camp on public land and the counterculture festival lasts for weeks, sometimes even up to a month long. In years past, the hippies who are a part of Rainbow Gathering have caused extreme damage to Colorado's backcountry and forest lands. This is ironic in that the gathering is aimed to celebrate nature and life, yet the massive crowds wind up leaving the land completely destroyed. Tree branches are broken and used for fires, plus rangers are left to clean up excessive amounts of human and animal waste once the gathering is over. Even when the group has been denied permits in Colorado due to environmental and safety concerns, they've gone forth with the gathering regardless. During their time in Route National Forest, the group tallied up hundreds of violation notices issued by Forest Service officers. Some of these included drug-related charges, as well as illegal occupancy and use of a national forest. Although Colorado has been selected as the rumored location for the 2022 gathering, the exact location has yet to be revealed. 
Some Reddit threads are hinting it could possibly take place somewhere near Walden, Granby, or Golden, but those are just speculations. Another huge worry about the event taking place in the Centennial State is the risk of it poses for fire danger, especially in the backcountry or forest. Plus, in addition to having a negative impact on Colorado's important natural resources, residents are also concerned about the potential of criminals coming to the state. The Rainbow Gathering was held in Carson National Forest in New Mexico last year. Rainbow Family May Infiltrate Grand County This Summer by Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 1st, 2022. Multiple Colorado newspapers are reporting on the possibility of the Rainbow Family, which bills itself as a loose-knit group without leadership or organization who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life, holding its annual gathering in Grand County this summer. The Sky High News spoke with representatives from the Grand County Sheriff's Office, the Grand County Commissioners, and a local fire agency, and were told that, as the family doesn't choose its summer site until a council later in the spring, it is too early to know with any certainty where it will be held. The Sheriff's Office added that it is engaged in preliminary discussion with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. One Sky High reporter attended the 2006 Rainbow Gathering in Route County, and with on-the-ground experience, has insights into how these events unfold. We will draw on these insights as we continue reporting on this developing story. In the meantime, we will report on facts in an effort to avoid spreading potentially undue stress in the Grand County community. The U.S. Forest Service is the lead agency in this matter, as these events have historically taken place in its jurisdiction. In early March, the Forest Service released a statement saying that should the event take place, we will bring in a significant number of additional resources to assist with this event. As the Grand County community continues to recover from the devastating 2020 wildfires and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, the advantage that we have is knowing about this potential event. This gives us ample time to work together to plan and prepare for it. With Rainbow Family Gathering 2022 potentially to be held in Colorado, Forest Service explains what they do to monitor. A location has not been confirmed, but rumors point to the gathering taking place in Grand County, both the Sheriff's Office and U.S. Forest Service acknowledge. Nine News by Louis de Leon, April 2nd, 2022. While it's not yet confirmed, rumors swirling around social media suggest the 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family Gathering could take place in Colorado, and local and national office officials have taken notice. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, said Grant County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin in a statement. While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined till after their spring council in June. He adds that they're in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community, the statement read. The Forest Service actually has a specific incident management team to handle monitoring the events while partnering with local law enforcement wherever they take place. 
Nine News sat down with that team's public information officer to better understand their experience with the group's gatherings and what to expect if it indeed comes to Colorado. What is the Rainbow Family Gathering? Hillary Markin with the Forest Service has been with the National Rainbow Incident Management Team since 2019 and helps monitor the event with their safety plans. So they're a loose-knit group of people who typically gather on national forests to kind of pray for world peace, celebrate life, discuss political and environmental issues. That's kind of what our understanding is of the group, she said. Reportedly, locals near where the gatherings happen look down on the Rainbow Family Gathering participants because of the amount of time they spend on natural lands. The people within the group have been described as hippies, and hundreds of, violation, and hundreds of violation notices have reportedly been issued by local authorities. The first gathering took place in 1972 in Grand County, suggesting that for its 50th anniversary, the group would set up there again. In 2019, the gathering took place in northern Wisconsin, and there was a gathering in New Mexico in 2021. Come June, Markin said the group will hold its vision council where the location is usually announced. Uh, in recent years, the Forest Service expects anywhere between two and 10,000 people, but Markin says it depends on the location and how easy it is to access that location. We do have criteria that we typically look for when we're working with them. Most of those that have been there before are aware what we're looking for, and they ultimately, you know, they're by and large peaceful group. They want to learn about the local area and work with us to protect it, Markin said. However, a large gathering in a natural forest in Colorado comes with risks, Markin acknowledges. Risks. Typically, a group larger than 75 people would need a special use permit from the Forest Service. But because there's no governing body or a single leader for the gathering, Markin explained that it poses challenges. An organized group that has a leader, you know, then you come to the National Forest and apply for a special use permit, and then we work through the special use design criteria to see, is this event going to be permitted on the National Forest? What kind of stipulations will be put in place? And we issue you a special use permit if we can agree upon the different criteria that we're looking for, she explained. Instead, they treat the gathering as an incident. Just like we would for a fire or all other risk incidents, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resource and protecting the visitors that are on the National Forest, Markin said, acknowledging the environmental risks that come with a large gathering in the forest. Trees are always a big concern of where is all this waste going to go, and so we've got design criteria of how to deal with those waste. How far away from water sources, all of that, those specifics go in to try to protect the natural resources. And then we have our law enforcement officers and our resource protection folks out there making sure that they're complying with that design criteria, Markin explained. Like, what areas would we say no to if the Rainbow family would like to go to a certain area? There may be a protected area or wilderness or something like that, and we would restrict them from going there. Regarding wildfire concerns, Markin says they're usually prepared for a fire risk, and staff is heightened when there is a fire risk. Depending on what the fire danger level is, we have fire staff happening on the forest just naturally, that's an automatically occurring thing. But we know we have an incident happening. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will set up that staffing level so we're connected, she said. Markin brought up an example from 2019 when her team explained to gathering goers about milkweed, an important plant to the monarch butterfly, and she recalled several members going around trying to protect those plants. When it comes to parking, Markin explained that the event turns into a sort of traffic operation. So that's a big thing when they do choose a location is thinking about parking and traffic flow for the incident. You know, if it's a one-way in and a one-way out situation, where is it safe for cars to park to maintain ingress and egress in and out of that location? So we put up no parking signs, so it becomes kind of a traffic management thing, she said, 
adding that they make sure a path for emergency vehicles is available. While the team has prepared year after year, they usually don't get much notice where exactly the gathering is planned. The Guessing Game As officials keep a close eye as to where the event will be, Markin said it's usually pretty difficult to pinpoint in advance. And so it's really challenging to decipher what's real and what's not when you're reading the different sites and areas until they actually put out the, you know, this is where Vision Council decided on and here's where we're going to land. You don't get much information, she said. Markin shared a story of 2019 where they had established the incident management team at a spot they thought they would be, but were actually 50 miles away since the group had moved at the last second. And they chose a great spot where they ended up, but we were planning for them to be about 50 miles to the south originally, and then they came up north further, Markin said. Overall, Markin said a plan will be in place for when the group announces its location. We work with the forest where this incident is going to occur, and we put a resource protection plan in place as if it was a special use permit, she said. Let's start with this. Who is the Rainbow family and what's the big deal? So they are a loose-knit group of people um, who typically gather on national forests to kind of um, pray for world peace, celebrate life, um, discuss political and environmental issues. That's Hillary Markin is with the Forest Service's incident management team specifically formed to follow them. They expect anywhere between two and 10,000 people to show up for the annual summer gathering. The last time they were in Colorado, 2006 in Route County. One of the few ways that people could keep up with the group was through a subreddit that's been set to private. But the Forest Service is preparing for it to possibly end up in Colorado once again, specifically Grand County, where the first ever gathering happened in 1972. For them, the exact location is sort of a guessing game every year. But it makes it really challenging for us to plan to work with them um, to get a resource protection plan on the ground. But when the plan is set, they always treat it as an incident. Just like we would a fire um, or other all-risk incident, um, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resources and protecting the visitors that are um, on the National Forest. A main concern is a bunch of people in one spot of the forest when Colorado's wildfire behavior has kicked up in recent years. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will up that staffing level. So we're connected. We call kind of resource protection officers out there on the ground that work with them. We try to educate them. Um, to, again, it's all about protecting the natural resources um, that they're utilizing for this gathering and leaving as minimal impact as possible. So it's the understanding of both the Forest Service and Grand County Sheriff that there's something called the Spring Vision Council that's held around in mid-June, and that's where exactly the location is announced for where the gathering will be. Officials keep a close eye on that, and then they deploy resources as soon as they know. Steve, they also treat this in part as a traffic operation, putting up no parking signs, among other things. Yeah, no parking for this. And at this point, Luis, they must know that law enforcement knows about this. They certainly do. Not a surprise anymore. It's what the Forest Service calls a non-sanctioned event. Basically, groups bigger than 75 people have to get a special use permit, but because there's no one single leader or really a governing body for this, it's hard for them to really plan or implement that, so they prepare for the gathering instead. It will be interesting to watch their response. Luis de Leon, thank you. The Rainbow Family Gatherings, they started in Colorado dozens of years ago. This year, it'll reportedly be back. We spoke to an attendee who says that they're going, or they're planning rather, on having 80,000 people gather in one of our forest lands. Listen to what he had to say about what this event is all about. And we call ourselves a family, though we're not related by blood. We're, we're related by our common goal and our common 
interest in prayer for world peace, because that is what the Rainbow Gathering is entirely centered around. Parisho has been to Rainbow Family Gatherings for 12 years now. He, along with thousands of others, they typically gather for an entire week. This year, they plan to do that between July 1st and July 7th. They say they haven't chosen the forest land they plan to gather in just yet, but they have chosen our state. And despite being an event focused on, quote, praying for world peace, these gatherings, they've been controversial in the past. Coloradans who've gotten word about the gathering being here say they worry about that wildfire danger, even cleanliness. But Parisho says these are concerns that are currently being worked out. We do a lot of liaison work with the National Forest Service, both with the law enforcement end and with the, uh, the natural resource end to make sure that we're um, being careful of uh, sensitive environments in the area that we're going to be in, whether that be wildlife, uh, plant life, or uh, a, a fragile water source. So we reached out to the U.S. Forest Service. They heard about the gathering potentially being in Grand County and said in part, quote, this is not a permitted or sanctioned event. The Rainbow family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado. And we also reached out to Grand County officials as well as state officials. Both say they're aware of the possibility of this event being in our state. They say they plan to ramp up these coordinated efforts with other agencies as we get closer to that expected gathering date, which again is in July. In Denver, I'm Veronica Acosta, September 7th. The Economics of the Rainbow Family of Living Light by Patrick Brower for Sky High News, April 9th, 2022. There's a business angle to the imminent return of the Rainbow Family of Living Light to Grand County this summer. Press reports and hearsay are stating that the family is planning a 50-year reunion of its first gathering in Grand County, which took place in June and July of 1972. That gathering, which has also become known as the Strawberry Festival because much of it took place at Strawberry Bench, has achieved the status of near-mythical folklore among the legends of Grand County's past. And now the Rainbow family is coming back. As they say, past is prelude. The gathering was resonant all over the state and the region. Remember, 1972 was a year that some would say was the peak of the hippie era in America. Yes, the 60s are known for the, as the hippie decade, but it was the early 70s when hippiedom and all of its counterculture splendor really consumed the American consciousness. Based on the press reaction and coverage I've seen this week, it still consumes the American and regional consciousness. The Forest Service is worried about permitting, local government is worried about the big crowds if they even arrive in large numbers, and the world in general is freaked out, to coin a phrase from that era. This pre-event freakout isn't dissimilar to what happened here 50 years ago. The festival back then was billed as a gathering of peace where the event goers would participate in a 4,000-year-old peace dance based on Native American traditions with the spirits of the dead all to be fulfilled at Lake Granby, coined as the center of the universe. A crowd would ohm in unison at the given sunrise moment and world peace would be enhanced. At least that was the idea. I get the impression that it was mostly a good-spirited and well-intentioned gathering that was all about peace, love, and understanding. But the fear and anxiety news of the gathering then provoked made it seem like Attila the Hun had announced an impending invasion of the county. 
Petitions were circulated, urging then-Governor John Love to stop the hippie picnic, the so-called Universal Life Church Meeting of Peace. People believed that 140,000 hippies would descend on the county. A total of 548 people signed the petition. The gathering was ultimately permitted, but with strict limitations on crowd sizes on public land and times of activities. If it wasn't for Granby, Granby local Paul Geisendorfer, who offered land his family owned in Granby and at Strawberry Bench, a private national forest in Holding owned by his family, for the longer gatherings and camping, the Strawberry Festival might have been a colossal flap. flop. But it wasn't, and it's still talked about today, even without a reunion event. Good for business? Yes. Once again, Grand County's gotten lots of free publicity in regional and national news. You can't buy that kind of viral exposure. Will these hippies bring money to spend? Well, not all of them, but remember, the hippies of yesterday are in some cases the investment bankers, Silicon Valley millionaires, and top-level bureaucrats of today. They just might bring money, and they just might want to lease and use some of our abundant short-term rentals and condos. We know that not all these types will be rich, but they will come and enjoy our landscape. I hope in a non-impactful way. We'll see. Perhaps local merchants can come up with Rainbow Family and Strawberry Festival-themed merchandise. Tacky, I know, but it's one idea. And now I wonder about the infamous motorcycle gang riot and celebration that shut down Grand Lake for two days in early July of 1975. Will those gangs seeing the Rainbow's return come back to relive the crazy days of their youth? It might not be bad, because Harley-Davidson riders today are more likely to be orthodontists and business professionals than the rough-and-tumble gang members of yesteryear. Let's start planning now. Grand County Commissioners Release Statement on Rainbow Gathering Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 13, 2022 the Grand County Board of County Commissioners sent a statement to the Sky High News upon request Wednesday, April 13th, that says the board has been made aware by the U.S. Forest Service that the 2022 Rainbow Family Gathering could occur in Grand County, that it will not make allowances for an unpermitted event on public land by the USFS, and that it does not support the gathering. In a phone call regarding the statement, District 2 Commissioner Merritt Linky said he had talked to some of the Forest Service high-ups and that they don't feel there is much support to oppose the gathering. He said that's because the Rainbows could go somewhere else to a more remote area that would have less backup than Grand County does. Kind of the consensus unofficially is that they're coming and we can do the best we can to prepare even though we won't know if they will come until the last minute, Linky added. But they're a very unstructured group with no legal status or organized structure. They're not an official church group, and they don't have any true leadership, so preparing in advance would be hard to do. When asked what the county will do to prepare should they learn definitively that the rainbows are coming, Linky said, A lot of it from the county side has to do with trying to get extra personnel and costs covered. The rainbows are bad about paying bills like EMS response or hospitalization. We'll also need additional law enforcement services, which is money out of Grand County taxpayers' pockets. So we're trying to make sure the Forest Service will help us with some federal funding. And really, in terms of managing it, it's making sure we can call on our neighboring counties. There are lots of mutual aid agreements with sheriffs and municipal departments across the state, so that seems our best bet. Word circulating around the state is that the Rainbow family is coming to Grand County this summer to celebrate the 50th anniversary of its first gathering, which took place at Strawberry Lake. 
Historically, the family has waited until mid-June to send a scouting party to potential gathering sites. Linky said they can't legally hold a gathering on Strawberry Lake anymore because it's in a national recreation area which forbids such gatherings. The statement also said, We hear and share our community's concern about the potential for this highly concentrated and localized event on USFS lands. At the scale discussed by the USFS, if the gathering takes place here, it could bring additional wildfire risk to the community due to prolonged drought and the magnitude of fuels from beetle-killed trees, grasses, and undergrowth. Grand County has been significantly impacted by recent wildfires that burned more than 225,000 acres of our land, destroyed nearly 400 homes, and burned all four watershed basins. These burn areas are still in the early phases of recovery, with anticipated additional flood-after-fire threats this summer. Updates will follow as the BOCC learn more from the Forest Service, the statement said. How the U.S. Forest Service is preparing for the Rainbow Family's 50th anniversary festivities in Colorado. The federal agency launched an incident management team to deal with the potential conflict. By Sam Tabachnik. The Denver Post, April 18, 2022. Confused about the Rainbow Family and the group's possible 50th anniversary celebration in Colorado this summer? The U.S. Forest Service has you covered and is mobilizing a national incident management team to handle the potential festivities. Word has trickled out in recent weeks about the hippie group's possible month-long celebration in Colorado, prompting federal authorities to launch a website with all the vitals on the Rainbow Family of Living Light and their quirky festivities. The Forest Service also launched the incident management team to work with the local community and law enforcement to protect the health and safety of everybody involved and to lessen environmental impacts to the site by providing information and enforcing laws. The group, whose members say they stand for peace and love, celebrated their inaugural festival in 1972 near Strawberry Lake outside Granby. Since that first gathering, the Rainbow Family has come together annually on different national forest lands, with crowds ranging from 2,000 to 10,000 visitors. Vice once called the festivities a weird version of Burning Man, mixing bikers, Jesus freaks, computer programmers, naked yogis, and gutter punks looking to escape the thralls of everyday life. Past gatherings in Colorado led to trespassing and illegal camping charges and reported drug use. The gathering usually coincides with the 4th of July, the Forest Service said, but the event's specific location and time frame is not typically revealed to the federal agency until mid-June, after the group's Spring Council. A final location for this year's celebration has not been set, the Forest Service said. The Rainbow Family Group consistently refused to comply with permitting laws for previous gatherings, according to the Forest Service. They claim to have no leaders and no one member of the family who can speak for the group to sign a permit on behalf of the family, the federal agency said on its website. The Forest Service put together a resource protection plan to ensure environmental damage is minimized and stipulates that the Rainbow family clean up the area after the festivities. But people can expect socially unacceptable behavior from some of the attendees, the Forest Service warned, including public nudity, civil disobedience, drug and alcohol abuse, and confrontations between rainbows and locals. Statement on the United States Forest Service webpage, 2022 Rainbow Family of Living Light National Gathering, as of April 19, 2022. 
The Rainbow Family of Living Light plans to hold its 50th anniversary gathering on a national forest this summer, possibly in Colorado. The Rainbow Family is a loose-knit group of people from throughout the United States and other countries who gather annually on a national forest. Since the first gathering near Strawberry Lake on the Arapaho National Forest in 1972, the incident has taken place on a different national forest each year. Crowds typically range from 2,000 to 10,000 forest visitors. While there have been indications on social media and the web that the group desires to return to the Arapaho National Forest for its 50th anniversary, the specific location and time frame of the National Gathering is not typically revealed to the Forest Service until mid-June when the Rainbow Family holds a Spring Council. The gathering usually coincides with the 4th of July with peak activity in the days immediately before and after the holiday. In response, the USDA Forest Service mobilizes a national incident management team with experience managing these types of incidents. The team works closely with the local community, including law enforcement agencies, throughout the incident to protect the health and safety of everyone involved and to lessen environmental impacts to the site by providing information and enforcing laws. The Forest Service requires a special use permit for every public group of 75 people or more conducting a meeting or event on national forest system lands. The Rainbow Family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. They claim to have no leaders and no one member of the family who can speak for the group to sign a permit on behalf of the family. The Forest Service has periodically cited Rainbow Family members for failing to obtain a permit. However, in the interest of public health and safety, the Forest Service puts together a resource protection plan including specific design criteria to ensure sensitive resources are protected, environmental damage is minimized, and it stipulates post-event cleanup and rehabilitation of the incident location conducted by the Rainbow Family. An event of this size can have significant impacts on traffic, communities, local resources, residents, and visitors. Local businesses can expect to see large numbers of Rainbow Family participants visiting stores and buying food and supplies along routes to the gathering site. Forest and county roads in the selected area may become congested during the incident, and road closures and or traffic detours may occur on the selected national forest. Contact Public Information, Questions, and Concerns, email sm.fs.rainbowimt at usda.gov. Phone 970-364-2201. Frequently Asked Questions. What is the Rainbow Family of Living Light? The Rainbow Family is a loose-knit group of people who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life. They describe themselves as having no leaders and no organization. What is the National Gathering? The Rainbow Family holds a national gathering once a year. Since 1972, the event has taken place on a different national forest during the July 4th holiday and has fluctuated in size. In recent years, national gatherings have attracted approximately 2,000 to 10,000 people. Local and regional gatherings occur during other times of the year. How does the Rainbow Family decide where to gather? At the end of each annual gathering, members form a vision council which meets to discuss the location of the next year's event. During the following year, a spring council meets to determine the final location of the national gathering. At the 2022 spring council, 
the Rainbow family will agree on where the gathering will be held. Final locations have not yet been set. How and when is the specific site selected? During the spring and early summer, Rainbow Family Scouts research and visit areas to find a suitable site according to their standards. Scouts may visit local Forest Service offices requesting information and maps. In mid-June, the Spring Council occurs, often at the location of the annual gathering. The specific place and time is not revealed to the Forest Service until it happens. What resource impacts may occur? Possible resource impacts include compacted soil, water quality degradation, sanitation issues, disturbances to sensitive archaeological sites, disruptions to threatened and endangered plant and animal species, and fire danger. When does the National Gathering begin? Within one week of the Spring Council, about 1,000 to 2,000 attendees arrive on site. The crowd grows, often reaching 2,000 to 10,000 people by July 4th. Once the site is determined, the Rainbow Family uses the internet and other communication methods to let Rainbow Family members know the location and directions to the site. When does the gathering end? The event peaks on July 4th. After that, attendance declines drastically. However, a group of rainbows stay to clean up and rehabilitate the site. Other people may also remain for a couple of weeks. How does a large group, potentially 2,000 to 10,000 people, live in the woods? As soon as Rainbow Family members select a site, they set up a welcome tent, camping and social areas, parking and shuttle areas, healthcare areas, and several outdoor kitchens. They develop water sources and dig trench latrines. There is no fee for attendance, but they collect donations for food and other necessary items for distribution. They designate special areas for group gatherings, families with children, men, women, and party-goers, to name a few. Attendees are advised to bring their own camping gear. Family members use campfires exclusively to cook. Did the Rainbow family get a permit? No. Why is the Forest Service cooperating with an event that doesn't have a permit? The Forest Service requires a special use permit for every group of 75 or more people conducting a meeting or event on National Forest System lands. The Rainbow family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings since they claim to have no leaders and no one member who can speak for the group or sign a permit on behalf of the family. The Forest Service has periodically cited Rainbow family members for failing to obtain a permit. However, the agency also works with the family to adhere to a resource protection plan in lieu of a special use permit to protect the health and safety of individuals at the gathering and in the surrounding community to ensure sensitive resources are protected, to minimize any environmental damage, and to coordinate post-event cleanup and rehabilitation of the event site. Why can the Rainbow Family members camp for more than 14 days? Most of our national forests have a 14-day camping limit, including both developed sites, developed campgrounds, and dispersed sites, non-developed campgrounds or sites. The majority of participants will not be at the event for more than 14 days. It would be impossible to track thousands of individuals and their stay lengths. What social impacts are expected? The Rainbow Family represents a very diverse group of individuals. As with any large population, a certain percentage of gathering participants can be expected to engage in illegal or socially unacceptable behavior. Some activities may include public nudity, civil disobedience, drug and alcohol abuse, confrontations between rainbows and locals, abandoned or disabled vehicles, and traffic, congestion, and parking for 4,000 to 7,000 vehicles. 
Can the rainbows use campfires if fire restrictions are in place? The participants must abide by all local, state, and federal laws, including fire restrictions. How does the Forest Service manage this event? The Rocky Mountain region is currently creating a National Incident Management Team. NIMT objectives will include address health and safety risks to the public and participants, minimize environmental impacts with law enforcement presence and action, recognize and mitigate social and political impacts, respect civil rights of all members of the public. Management of the event is being fully integrated with local officials. The Incident Management Team is working in partnership with state, county, and local law enforcement, health, and other organizations. Informational meetings involving the NIMT, the Forest Service, federal, state, and local agencies and entities will occur as needed. Where possible, the local forest also assists Rainbow members in locating potentially suitable sites for their gatherings before they occur. Is Resource Protection Plan in place? A Resource Protection Plan is currently being issued with the following primary goals. Protecting public health and safety, minimizing resource impacts and leaving the site at or near pre-gathering conditions, reducing effects on and disruption to local communities, adjacent landowners, and other special use permittees. Issues addressed in the Resource Protection Plan include designating parking areas to facilitate traffic flow, locating camps, kitchens, and slit trenches away from water sources, removing trash, and rehabilitating the site after the gathering. Who will rehabilitate the area after the gathering? The Rainbow Family is responsible for site rehabilitation. Guidelines are outlined in the, outlined in the Resource Protection Plan. At past events, many individuals have stayed to assist in site cleanup and have paid for trash disposal with a local vendor. Forest Service officials anticipate this will occur again this year. What role does the state and county play in this event? Event management is being fully integrated with local officials, including all tribal, federal, state, county, and local law enforcement agencies, as well as emergency service organizations, public health departments, and social services. Are special closure orders in effect? The forest may issue special closure orders to protect the health and safety of visitors and or natural resources that could be impacted by the incident. Will the area be open to the public? Yes. However, all National Forest visitors must obey federal, state, and local laws and regulations. The Forest Service takes the enforcement of these laws very seriously. The gathering may impact the community, neighbors, and other forest visitors. The Forest Service will work hard to minimize any negative effects to local communities and the environment. Does the Forest Service test the water? The Forest Service does conduct water quality testing as part of the regular monitoring procedures. If during those tests the data indicates there is a problem, the appropriate health departments will be contacted. What makes the Forest Service think the event may occur in Colorado or Grand County? The Rainbow Family held its first gathering 50 years ago at Strawberry Lake on the Arapaho National Forest. The Forest Service is aware, based on information posted on various websites and social media used by Rainbow Family members, that the 2022 National Rainbow Family Gathering could occur in Colorado, possibly on the Arapaho National Forest, in recognition of the 50th anniversary. The specific site or time frame is typically not known until the group holds its spring council in June. L-W-A-F-L M-O-Y-T L-W-A-F-L M-O-Y-T Let's watch a full-length movie 
W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am good, Carl. Uh, it's exciting to be back on uh, Mutiny Radio, as we are every Sunday. That's mutinyradio.fm. You can find it on the internet. You can stream it. I stream it on my podcast app. I have to. It's a .m3u file. Uh -huh. But I type it in, and I can listen to Mutiny Radio on the go. So uh, we're on the go every Sunday at 2 p.m. We follow what's really happening with Luke. I hope it was a good show, Luke. Uh, and we hope you are listening every Sunday with us. If you don't have time, follow our podcast by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl is also the mastermind behind our theme song, the mastermind behind research and the mastermind behind our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. It's the same podcast episode, but with the movie attached. What movie? Let us watch a full-length movie on YouTube. That's our what we do every week. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week, we will watch Wonderwall 1968. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Wonderwall. One word. One. I wonder why. It's Wonderwall. 1968 and the channel we like is flick vault oh i like fuck vault oh mm -hmm. no it's capital l capital i flick vault flick yeah vault. flick vault if you haven't subscribed to flick vault subscribe to flick vault it's, uh <laughs> there's so much stuff on flick vault and yeah. so we're very excited to find wonder wall so go ahead as carl says type in wonder wall 1968 find the version i found it after three from Film Vault, they're hosting it. Hit play, hit pause. No, click the link and then hit pause. There's no play button yet. When we say go, then you hit play. Now, that's a lot of information to digest. Don't play so, with me. Don't play with me. We want you to also donate to mutinyradio.fm. We have a Patreon page. We have a uh, Venmo page. And there's a third page, too. Whatever, just send us some money at the mutinyradio.fm. You can even mail a check. Uh, they'll do it. No, don't mail a check. It's right. crazy. I mail do. It still hasn't of... been cashed. I sent yeah. our rent in. It still is not cashed. What was don't it? 2019. You still, guys, you still haven't cashed that check from 2019. It's gone. It's stale. Well, 
I guess we're unaccountable for October 2019. All right. Well, all this great banter is going to be coming up shortly. We're also very excited because Carl is hosting a Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Our countdown is going to be given by none other than a celebrity comedian. I have not heard this recording, but it's one of the many things. Producer Carl. Producer Carl. Carl produces uh, here. Let's take it away. Carl. Producer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Keith Howe. Welcome, thank Keith. You. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, <clears throat> my name is Carl, and I don't have a last name, but if I did, it would be Howe. And that means that I'm your father. True, yeah. Now, I want to start out, you know what movie we're watching today, and that's the reason I asked you to be on the podcast and do our countdown. Now, the Beatles broke up in 1970, right? Here we're sitting mm -hmm. in 2022. That's 52 years ago, right? Long time. Yeah. So how is it you can be a Beatles fan and even a George Harrison fan? Well, I think it's really you. I grew up with you in my ear. You gave me, uh, I remember for one of my birthdays, you gave me a little red iPod and it had majority of the Beatles. Yeah, right. That kind of started my kick. And, you know, it's modern day. There's... There's a uh, streaming music. I have Apple Music. I have access to everyone's discography. It's very easy. Now, Apple Music is not the Beatles app. No, no, different Apple. <laughs> now, um, there was, it wasn't Guitar Hero, it was the competitor, but they had the Beatles edition. The Beatles rock band. Now, that also it did help launch my career. Yeah. The thing is that, like, I'm in if I had come to you boys and been like, hey, I love this band, I don't know. I think you would have rejected it, right? But I think you guys fell in love on your own with mm -hmm. this Guitar Hero movie. Did I give you the flash drive after? It must, it must have been. It yeah. must have been after you. So, so, so it was me. I put it in your, yeah. I mean, first you discovered it on your own with the game. And then well, I, may, I don't know. Maybe you put, uh, put that in our pocket. Now, why George Harrison? I mean, there were, you know, John and Paul, uh, they're artists. They're, you know, George was the third wheel. John has problems. You know, Paul's, Paul's preppy and Blackbird, you know. <laughs> I think I just enjoyed George's music the most because of it. I felt like mm -hmm. his spirituality is a lot of fun. It's very interesting. And John and Paul and everybody you know, get into that a lot. Right. He plays sitar. Yeah, they did follow the Maharishi, right? For they a did. Time. George latched on. Yeah. So, did, had, did you always like the sitar music, the Indian sounding music? I do enjoy it. From the yeah. Beatles days? From, yeah, from the Beatles. Okay, now you got into uh, George Harrison's solo records, mm -hmm. and one of them was All Things Must Pass. Yeah. And that was a, a triple. Album. Yeah, well, it was right after uh, the Beatles had broken up. We had a lot of songs that the Beatles wouldn't put on his album, so right. he was kind of giving them to me, Bob Dylan. Now, you received from your girlfriend a present. It was the did, three... Yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, well, recently it was the 50th anniversary of uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a triple, what, a triple album is what you call it. So there's three vinyls and it came with a poster, a lot of uh, covers for the albums, and a shirt came with it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was a present from. It was a present girlfriend. from my girlfriend, so I guess that shows how 
Okay, let's see. But, well, oh, but I had already owned it. <laughs> you already owned the record. Now, did you tell your girlfriend? No, no, I didn't. This is a good boyfriend right here. Oh, I love it. Thank you. You didn't go, oh, I already have this. Well, right. it'd, it'd benefit you as well if you already got an album in your pocket. Yes, actually. So, therefore, my son gave it to me. And I've been spinning those gave tracks. The old one. Yeah, and not the new one. Of course, I understand that. Um, okay, so did you, you've seen this film in preparation for the, did you like the, um, the music? Music was kind of outshined the movie. Music outshine the movie. Yeah, well, it's it's not exactly traditional, but it's enjoyable. I think I think it's playing and learning with sense. Now, Mike Spiegelman could not stand the music. Really? Isn't he wrong? He is wrong. <laughs> okay. Also, there were some things recorded in London with the Remio Four. Mm. This was really. Bingo and Eric Clapton, mm -hmm. and this stuff was the rock stuff. And I think that you appreciate one of those songs. Um, yeah, well, uh, oh, it's uh, during the we, skiing, right? During the skiing, yeah, that I enjoyed that song a lot. It was uh, featured in a documentary on George Harrison, uh, "Living in the Material World." Right. Um, so that's where I was introduced to the song, and that was kind of in my head. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, "Hey, there it is." And and what about? Hear the distinct Ringo style. Yeah, well, he's instead of like this, he's like this. You can hear it, it's different. Because he's left handed, but he's playing right hand. And that, like, weird lag. It's <laughs> a little behind, but it's a microsecond, right? It really it does add more. Okay, so also, um, you've seen the movie, and did you enjoy the movie itself? I did enjoy the movie. Very old, so uh, uh, I did have a couple questions though. Yeah, go ahead. Like the apples, I, I I didn't understand. Yeah, okay. So in my research for the film, they made it very clear. The director made it very clear there is nothing to do with Apple Records. It no, is just a coincidence. Did they make the movie before he made the soundtrack? Because they were gonna get the the Bee Gees. They were gonna get the Bee Gees. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the order in which things happened. Of course, we do know all the dates, mm -hmm. so I could probably figure it out. But um, see, it was recorded in Bombay in January of '68, London in December oh. of '67. Yeah, that's when the bees the bees had dropped out. '67. Okay, so probably he did not have the music before. Probably filmed it not knowing what he was going to get from George Harrison. One of the things he did not get from George Harrison was the one in which George Harrison sang. Yeah, they, uh, I guess George just didn't think he would have wanted lyrics on it. Right. It's okay. a music soundtrack. But, I mean, the guy making the movie must have been pissed because this is a Beatle. Yeah, I don't know that, uh, well, not like pissed, a missed like, opportunity. Yeah, missed opportunity. But he didn't miss the opportunity. Right, the director's cut. So after Wonderwall popular after Oasis popularized the term Wonderwall because of their song, he got the opportunity to make a director's cut, and uh, George found all of the old original tapes, so he 
master for the yeah, and this song came up and it ended up in there. Now there was also a song recorded. Um, what was it called? It's the B side of Lady Madonna, Inner Light. The Inner Light, right? why that didn't make it into the film, but it did make it onto the B-side of uh, Lady Madonna, so it's not there. Okay, you had questions about the movie besides the actor. Um, it was a little confusing. The ending. Yeah. I, maybe it was just a, a directorial choice to have the lady turn into stars. Yeah. Maybe it was, it was just like a mid-end movie. Right. Um, I don't know that I should it, although if people watch this show, oh, they know I spoil me. things all the time. Yeah, yeah. The movie kind of didn't end right, and I'm sure we're going to cover that during the podcast. The movie, I mean, he kind of, he kind of, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he returns to his normal life. You would think after that experience, mm -hmm. something new would happen. You know, maybe. Yeah, it's just all maybe I mentioned something that wasn't uh, no, we talked about the ending, how it ended a little weird. We talked about the apple. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing was, like, it's a little creepy how he spied on them and broke yeah. in. Maybe that was just part of the... It's surrealism. It's not, like, a real story. So I can kind of understand why he kept that. But they, as a pervert. Mm -hmm. He's like, Wonderwall, the name of the movie. He stares through a hole in the wall at naked women. The majority of the movie is naked uh, well, I mean, isn't he seeing a photo sh photo shoot? I mean, isn't yes. he? Is doesn't he represent the straight life? And then through the wall, he saw the hippie life, the psychedelic life, something different, and kind of the the awakening. Right. I mean, he didn't do anything perverted on his side of the no. wall. He was just watching. He did see her in various states of undress. <laughs> But I don't think that his but primary he fell in love with the idea of difference. Yeah, rather than more woman. than he wasn't just creeping on a woman, right? He was creeping on the idea of young ladies. I don't know. It was different. Now it was different. He said he saved her. He did. He saved her life. He saved her. Yeah, very terribly. Are you? <laughs> uh, well, you're going to see this movie in a minute anyway. That won't spoil the experience for you, even though no. you kind of know what's happening. It's just, it's just a, like, I'll spoil movies all the time. By the way, in the end of Titanic, the <laughs> ship sinks. It goes down. Okay. Keith. Everyone at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. That means they must press play exact same moment, and that is why you have been employed to be our celebrity counter, countdown. So how about you go ahead, Keith, and give us that celebrity countdown. All right, well, thanks for having me. Here we are. Three, two, one, go. All right. Fuck fault. Vault. Fuck vault. Fuck vault. Ooh. Now, that was a good celebrity comedian. Oh, I have to say that was a terrific celebrity comedian. Who, it, uh, it I, hope, I hope you guys been my son. 
Interesting. <laughs> All right. A hippie, right? This is 1968. Right. So British. What are we looking at. We are looking at life itself, Carl. No, it's uh, it's a smudge on the projector from 1968. <laughs> can, I, can I hit pause? Mute. Uh, no. No. Well, don't hit pause. Oh, you mean mute? Yeah. Go ahead if you want. Oh, I will. Okay, so... No, I mean, listen, uh, you, mute whenever you want, but, like, there's some interesting music, and there's some places where you're going to want to So Just let me know. I'm I'm Johnny on the draw. I got my remote control here at the studio. Wall. I will be Johnny. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Okay, now there's some amoebas. That <laughs> reminds me of a joke. These two amoebas were on a toilet seat, but one got pissed off. <laughs> That's really it. Could be anything. I I heard that joke as an ant. Oh, introducing the fool. Yeah, that's a Dutch collective. They did a lot of the art direction, the sets. They were always working for the Beatles. Like what? What would I recognize as uh, a, a fool? Average? Which one? What would you recognize as the yeah, Fool Collective's like, work? Um, yeah. Beatles we'll wise. Do. The inner sleeve for Sgt. Pepper. Designs oh. for the short-lived Apple Boutique in London's Baker Street. Um, the Apple Building itself. John Lennon's Rolls Royce and George Harrison's Mini Coopers. Which are both oh. iconic. They're crazy cars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know the inner sleeve of Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, That's pretty. So this is probably their initial and maybe their only forte into a movie. I would doubt it. I I didn't look them up that much. I just know decor, the title card. Yeah. Uh, the um. Uh. Set designing. A lot of this, the look of this feel, a uh, look and feel of the apartment that we're going to be peering into, uh, was all done by the fool. And they even put Mae West and Greta Garbo on the wall. You'll see. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I do, do you feel like watching a movie, it's exciting to see, like, a set design cool? A cool set design? Yeah, I mean, okay. This is what we're looking at. Right. This is Professor Oscar Collins. Now, why is he called a professor when he doesn't profess? He is working in a lab. But well, you know. A lot, he has a desk job, you know why? Because he, he shot around off in class, and they uh, <laughs> they said, that's it. You're out of control, Professor. Give me Colin, your gun. You cannot just pop a clap in the ass of a kid here. You got, you're going to be working the desk for six weeks. So Is all there... we're learning right now, I mean, this guy's doing his best Einstein impression, and he just came out of a movie called the, it was by Roman Polanski called The Vampire Killers, in which he played this eccentric I, professor. That's so, the only Polanski movie I've seen twice, like, or three times. I've seen that movie, like, three times. It's it's, it's impeccable. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. It's like a pop Do you recommend movie. I see it? Yeah. Do you like uh, Harvey Kurtzman cartoons in National Lamp and uh, Playboy magazine in the 1950s? I Remember? guess so. We're Do talking you like little Annie Vampire Fanny? Killers? Yeah, it has this, like, cool playboy comic magazine like okay uh you know like style to it i don't know it's weird it's very pop poultry it's good i'll put it in my queue but yeah but also he's a he's an awful person and you should not support his art okay there's other things you could watch take it off your queue 
Wait, oh, wait. what? <laughs> no, no, this bitch made this for me. I'm going to uh, watch it. I don't care what he did. I will watch the movie al- only. All right. Yeah. That's the only movie I've really seen of his. Like, I've seen a couple others films and I stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, they mentioned in the credits, the music is by George Harrison M.B.E. Uh, Did That's you notice his, that? He's the knighted by the oh, queen. Do you have to put that in your movie credit? Like, if you get knighted by the queen, you have to say, It is Girl. pretty beauty. Okay, so Here's... all we've learned is he's an absent-minded professor. He had a to-do list, which included giving cheese to the mice. We're basically learning his routine as a stodgy – this is his routine to leave every day. He checks the gauges. Uh-huh. I don't know. Why? What does absent-minded mean? It means you're like forgetful. Real, I don't think so. Why not? I think it's a slur. I think it's saying, like, you know, this guy is – there's something else going on, and people are just kind of putting him down. No. Absent-minded literally means you're forgetful. Okay. And, and but why the, are always professors absent-minded? It was all popularized by Einstein. You see, Einstein was a genius, but yet he would do all these stupid fuck-ups, you know? So he was the absent-minded professor. And when he got big in the 50s, that would be like Albert Einstein, the absent-minded professor. That's how that thing got <laughs> into our nomenclature, if that's the right word. Totally. Oh, I want an elevator like that. You go down in an elevator where you can't even fit in. Right. You could totally pinch your fingers in the sliding thing. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. Like, let's say let's say you do stick your dick in there. You think it would probably... <laughs> and that's why they kicked me out of the building. <laughs> I don't blame them. I'd kick me out, too. Okay, now this is a little funny. He opens his umbrella to get his key to the door. He's quirky and he's a weirdo. And okay. we're about to enter an episode of Hoarders. Now, this is designed by the fool, his house. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure about that, Mike. Uh, I don't know that. Uh... Okay. No, it's all right. It's just... decorated in pre Raphaelite Gothic tones, kind of images of kings and queens in a fairy tale poem, most hidden behind piles of piles of papers. So, like, Dark green walls with Victorian murals. I don't think the fool did this side. Oh, whoa. It's very religious. He's praying. Um, it's supposed to contrast with, like, all the psychedelia next door, I guess. Uh, like, he's the... Oh, Now, watch. This is, like, one of his absent-minded professor moves, right? He's getting... He's relaxing his feet. Out. Yeah, yeah, man. But he left his socks on, you Silly, absent-minded professor. Oh, I forgot to take my socks off. I'm pouring boiling water <laughs> on my feet. Why are my feet are not scolded? Oh, right, I have socks. <laughs> and it's Twinkle. sort of like, it's like, womp, 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 you know. It's George Harrison, so it's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. So because he's a workaholic and a professor, he's looking at a microscope at home, but there's this racket next door. Uh Uh-huh. Like music racket or like a tennis racket? Go ahead. Give it a listen. Okay. Oh, shit. I'm not prepared. Uh, 
You think Genie would come out of the bottle by this point? Yeah, you've quit on it. You've quit. Yeah, on I it. guess I have. I'm gonna be the most hated person. All right, you can quit on it. Listen, we'll listen to the real soundtrack for this film. Sure. Well, that's it. I told them. I knocked on the door on the wall. Uh, uh. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I love this music. You know, you just... Wow. Well, you know, I mean, that's uh, the word I was on the street. Oh, no, that's backbeat. Backbeat? I, I wish that. you... Okay, so, he's yeah. in frustration, he throws an alarm clock... And all he ends up doing is knocking over his nice butterfly. He also oh. learned how time flies. Right, That's exactly. Time, yeah. Later he will, like making fun of the cleaning lady, referring to it as my time machine. But oh, he mocks the, the cleaning lady? Later on he will, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh. Oh, yes, he canceled, Mike? Oh, no, I don't know. I haven't seen this movie yet. <laughs> okay, so he is about to discover camera obscura. Camera from, obscura? Coming from, you know what that is, right? You've heard of it? Yeah, I've, there's one in San Francisco, this famous camera obscura right mm -hmm. by the, the ocean, by the cliff house. Have and you done? Several times. Yeah, man, it's fucking... So you walk it, you pay, they have a little booth right we get a yeah. ticket and it's right at the cliffs right it's at the cliff house and you mm -hmm. can hear the splash and you can see like there's a little seal mountain or what have you and you go inside and it's pitch dark except for some notes about the history of the camera obscura and you go in and there's a pinpoint on the on the roof right, right? everything's black except for this one white pin booth and then right below the pinpoint is this like i don't know like a contact lens like they're big like a big ball yeah, like you, yeah. but there's no punch in it but what it does <laughs> is that you can see the reflection and so you can see the entire like uh, ocean outside right you know? and yeah they put it on the floor so that you doesn't appear to you upside down you see a camera obscura comes out upside down so that's why like um they would when it was discovered in i don't know arabia it was discovered in the middle east and they would do it in the desert in a tent and it would always be upside down on the other side of the wall. These huh. guys were smart enough to put it at the top. So now he has found the hole which Camera Obscura came through, and he's peeping. That's his wonder wall. Right. That is yeah. going to become his wonder wall. Absolutely. Now, is his wonder wall because he can just look directly at her or because it also produces this Camera Obscura? No, you see, that's the thing I think it's weak about the film. The camera obscura will now go away, and it'll just be peeping. I think wow. it would be so much better if he was doing the same thing he does in the film, but he's got a bunch of camera obscuras, you know? Right, oh, he, yeah. He would be upside down so he could see everything properly. But no, have, he's going to have a wonder wall, a peeping Tom wonder wall. Have you ever heard the story of this movie called Peeping Tom? No. All right, so this is like a 1960s film, right? It's 66, maybe. And it has, like, this glorious, like, 
it's British. It has like uh, it's basically about a guy who photographs. Uh, he has a camera, right. and he stabs women. He has like a knife in his tripod. Right. And he also records, films them as they die, and they see a reflection of them. Oh. And then he goes and he watches it and he jerks off to it. No, like he has a projector. Great. I'm not seeing this film. So no, but this film was produced by. Oh, go ahead, Carl. No, I was just noticing some of the moths and butterflies fly away. Now you know that thing couldn't be; they wouldn't be alive in there. Maybe from the. Um, they would not be animated either. Yeah, you see the cartoon. This is the only uh -huh. time you'll see it too. Oh, and George Harrison is noodling away, noodling, but I like this butter butterfly. Uh, so anyway, there's a movie called Peeping Tom. Yeah. Right? So he he stabs, and it was, uh, and at the end he dies and he gets killed and he sees his own reflection, but. Okay. Uh, that's it, justice, I guess. It, it was produced, written, and uh, directed by these guys who made the Red Shoes about a ballerina. A beautiful film where her shoes won't force her to dance. And also this like British war movies. Ooh, it ruined their career. This mm. is like a big like kiss me stupid, deadly, uh, stupid bad film. Right, right. That right. like threw everyone off. It was like psychoishly like graphic and just kind of thing. But it's about voyeurism and mm -hmm. movies. And so to have a camera obscura in there, you would figure they would do a little, like, indict the audience and saying, this is what you guys are paying to see, you know, a reflection of a girl off the wall. Uh, you know, uh, you can focus on the girl if you want, but but what he's going to see in there is really the world of the 60s. He's going to see, it's basically a, a, a photographer's studio, okay, and they're going. he's going to be watching photo shoots that they're doing. Uh, okay. This doesn't get, argue very well for it because right now he is absolutely 100% a peeping Tom. And it is about him like being, you know, he falls in love with her, I think, or he falls obsessed with her. Yeah. But all, all I'm trying to say is he's not like a, a pervert peeping Tom in this movie. It's more like he's looking into a world he can't be in and he sees a woman who's hurt in it, and he wants to rescue her. That's what's going to happen. Gotcha. <laughs> He's never going to jerk off. Won't even cross his mind. Oh, so it isn't like the Psycho remakes with Vince Vaughn, where he's like looking at the people where he's jerking off. No. Norman Bates is not going to masturbate. That is correct. What's right? his, oh. He's trying to like deal with I don't know. It's kind of well written, this thing. Um, oh, I love this song. Are you kidding? Wonderwall? Yeah. Would like to say to you, but I don't know how. You're doing everything to get this video blocked on YouTube this week. <laughs> so what he's doing is now improving the hole so that he can see better. Now look at this. What is she? Is it nitrous? I don't know. She was reading comic books before, and now she's doing whippets. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the 60s in London was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. He's perfecting the whole. Now, we're about to see the only time that he's shamed for, like, being a peeping Tom. And it's an interesting, weird little section. 
coming up. Oh. Now, all she's doing is sort of primping and preening in the mirror. And it's... we're still at the stage in which it's really about the girl, not the photo shoots. Right. Is he going to note it? Like, I'm trying to look at the mirror to see if I could see the hole where he's peeping at. Like he's the hole by the red tinsel or what have you. Uh oh, comes like his mom or the ghost of his mom from the meat locker. James, here's your wagging her finger. Yeah, good. I'm glad there's some decency in this movie. Thank you, right? ghost mom. Without yeah. Time. All right, today is gonna be the day that they're gonna see you. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. No, 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 that's all right. Ready? Today's gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it uh, back at you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. Carl doesn't believe in anybody. I do about you now. All right. Hey, I know the first and then somebody once told me the Your world is gonna roll me. See, it wasn't his mom at all. See? Oh ghost mom. Our blinding. So they must have Oasis Oasis must have taken their the title from this uh movie, right? They George did. Harrison? They did. They but did. they didn't know anything about it. Maybe. Well they know You're gonna be the one that saves me. Maybe you could have ladle some gravy. <laughs> and they ladle some gravy. Are you an asshole? Uh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that car is so 86. You know, I drove that car in there and the yeah. bartender says, get that, that car is 86. <laughs> that car is 86. It's 66. This is our bad guy. Okay. Oh, he is finally. the boyfriend. He is the love interest. He is the model. He's not the mo our love interest. He's love He's interest, the model's love interest. interest. Yeah. Looks like Roger Daltrey right now. Yeah. That was a lime car. That's why you know he's a villain. And Ronnie Spector appears to be the photographer. Yeah, matches his car, matches uh, his suit. Now, this guy's really from Canada, and he has a fake Liverpool accent, which is kind of good. Oh, the, oh, the, I, oi, did I say it right? You let me know. I, I got the control, I got the uh, studio controller right here in my hand. Yeah, we won't hear his, uh, We'll turn it up another time for his accent because there's not a lot here. Now, look, the professor's so shocked by them, he follows them to their door. 17. Oh, no. excuse me. He's a nutty professor. Right. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. See, even the professor freaked out. Mm hmm. Jaw drop. 
Yeah, look at those newspapers. That's good, man, in case you need to... to... Now he says to himself, it's time to spy. Oh, and this here comes the plot. Well, he's lured to spy, really. You know what I mean? He opens the door and boom. He's like obsessed. Sure. He, it's starting. It's starting now. He comes home from work and it's time to get spying. Yeah, that's good. Most people waste their time watching television, telly. <laughs> I get a ladle some gravy. Because maybe I'm gonna ladle some gravy. And after all, these guys never even saw this film. You know what the problem about this scene? It's too brief. <laughs> This is really dumb. We're going to watch Knees for a little while. Watch oh, yeah. the music so you can see what's going on. 